Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow I forgot to tell you to look for the call from New York. It throws everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I figured it was you because I, I knew that we were going to do some type of SIP calling, but I was worried about my my phone is on a very weird experimental network, so I always get worried about people who do voice over IP or Wi-Fi calling with me. It doesn't, doesn't oh, always dear. play nicely, but, I mean, it's just because yeah. this stuff is experimental. But yeah. It's good well, to talk I heard, to you. I heard you at first. I heard you, but you didn't hear me. And then uh, I had trouble getting back to you. I should have. Uh, well, well, we'll work that out later. Um, it probably is better to have people call in. Um, and uh, because I, for some reason, I always seem to have trouble when I call them, call out, because yeah. I have to use a switchboard here. Um, you can hear me fine? Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's funny because according to uh, what I have here uh, on my switchboard, it's not it's not registering you. But if you can hear me and I can hear you, we should be in good shape. Yeah, this is, this okay. is why uh, my, my network has so much issues. It's, it's through Google. It's called Project Buy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, I want to welcome all of our listeners. Uh, sorry for the uh, uh, technical difficulties here at the beginning. And um, uh, it's kind of ironic in that we have uh, as our guest uh, tonight uh, someone who <laughs> is uh, very good at, at uh, technical things and computers and all of that. And uh, that's part of what we want uh, to talk about. But um, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about him lately, but uh, uh, I would just like to introduce to everybody Alexander Klein. Alex, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this should be this should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, I thought I'd, I'd tell everybody a little bit how we came to meet you, um, which is kind of kind of odd um actually i think we met marty before i was around uh coming back yeah. from uh our holiday with chandler and uh uh but you and your your friend it, we well at the time you're the boyfriend of of our dog sitter that's i think that's how we got connected um yes and, and uh and you guys are painting our rooms you know and um uh-huh. Doing a little bit of a little bit of carpentry work around there and and stuff like that, and then lo and behold, as we talk, I begin to find out um, that uh, your your expertise happens to be in um, computers, in internet, um, uh, secure networks, 
these kinds yes. of things. Um, and uh, that was just amazing. And the more I talked to you, the more uh, my jaw kind of dropped open as I found out things that you know and do. So just tell me, uh, well, thank before you. we get, tell me a little bit about, just a little bit about yourself. Um, tell me about your family. Your family seems to be really important to you, and that's cool Absolutely. too. So maybe start start a little bit with your family and maybe how whatever they've contributed to you how, how that has made made you the person that you are today. How oh yeah, absolutely. Begin? Like my yeah, that's perfect. Perfect starting point. Cuz I mean, obviously, you know, without our families, we wouldn't be here anyways. And my my mother and my father are so polar opposite, but also so, you know, truly human at the same time, you know. And I I say that and I stress that to people more and more nowadays because we're getting we're getting so deep into the, the you know, the, our phones and the, the digital aspect of things that anybody that is very, that is present and can stop and be present um, and helps other people around them to be present, I always kind of award them the term of, like, that deep humanity, you know. So going back mm. to the question, my, uh, you know, my mom has been working in the, the wedding and event, special events industry for over – got 25 years she was before that she was like a um boxing and aerobics instructor and you know she's just she's always been she's always been of just people and street smarts for me you know she's always shown me how to read how to read a large group of people how to manage them how to be comfortable in mm. very fast-paced environments and I was always with her, you know, I spent a lot of my time with her and my weekends I would spend with my father who was just, you know, I mean, ever since I could remember, he was a pretty, pretty good expert and authority, especially around every, or like, a, he was an authority to everyone around him concerning computers. And he was a system administrator for Pioneer and Allied Signal and a bunch of companies that were slowly aggregated into Honeywell until inevitably he couldn't keep moving away from Honeywell and they just finally got him too. But he, uh, he, he kind of, he served as like the, the psychological and technical side of my, my training in computers as well. But I really would, it was both of them. It was both my mom and my dad that kind of shaped how I interfaced with it. Cause even today, my, I mean, I, uh, my methods and my father's methods differ. I think that he is mm-hmm. so, so very like he's like a if you were if I were to rate him, he would be like a Porsche or a BMW mechanic. You know, he is so, so thorough and and specialized and just really good at, at what he does and can take take anything apart. Whereas you know, my uh, like I I think that my my approach is much more like a, a, I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing, but it's more of a jack of all trades. Like I'm much more open to trying experimental things and trying new things. I don't mm-hmm. think that, especially with technology, it's so arbitrary. I definitely appreciate the like logistical science or scientific method of, you know, this is, this is how we should always audit a problem and go through the certain steps. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm very prone to, uh, to trying trying different uh, 
different methods and trying new things because that's actually I'm trying to tie this into why I'm into security. The reason why I got into security because of my family is because they both gave me skill sets, but they both promoted me to ask and like be inquisitive, always question everything. Great. And that's great. When you want to break things to fix them, you really learn every facet to how it works. And it's like it, when we're running and everything is running smoothly, we really don't know anything about the magic behind the scenes. And it's like every day to this day, you know, I can build, I can build and help engineer and oversee so many really cool projects that, you know, a couple of years ago, I never would have imagined I could do. But every day my dad teaches me something new about the computer. And that's what's so cool is that there, you, you never will stop. And there's always so many different methods. And it's like he, the man can tell me and teach me things about a computer system or how the, the crystals work and regulating the clock speed of the overall machine and how mind-boggling it is that we figured out to utilize quartz crystals for c computation. Stuff like that that I could, you know, hack his network or hack the Xbox and totally take over. Like in the digital sense, it's like we're, we're on different levels, but when it comes to the actual appreciation and the art and the knowledge, he still will blow me out of the water. And he always tells me that, that software guys are different than hardware guys. And you have to find a really good balance in between. Mm. It's just, it's interesting. And my, my mom, she's just, wow. she says she doesn't know anything about computers, but she can, she can definitely type a uh, wicked, a wicked letter, either complimenting you or tearing you apart if she needs to. And also she's just any, yeah. you know, it's like people underestimate themselves, but I see where she can use the computer. So, so well. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've, I've, um, Uh, something uh, something happened last week that I want to ask you about. Um, I yeah. don't remember what day it was. It was Thursday or Friday, it seems to me. But, it was Friday, um, the attack I, on DynCore. It was Friday. Okay, I was trying to uh, post my article in the morning, and mm -hmm. I couldn't get on uh, constant contact. And uh, I had discovered earlier I couldn't get on the PayPal. And I get this funny message back that says something about my server. But then I went and checked Wells Fargo or Bank of America and the, uh, these other sites. They were fine. So it wasn't the whole mm -hmm. system. And I even called – I even ended up calling Cox Cable, which uh, that's where our server, and uh, to see if they had heard anything. And while I'm talking – the woman I'm talking to is actually checking the same sites that I told her about. And she says, Oh, I can't get them either. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and then in the midst of that conversation, she said, she finally said, you know, we're starting to get calls. So I think something's going on. Um, tell us what went on that caused all that disruption. And I can't imagine, uh, I mean, it messed me up. And what it must have done oh, to yeah. everybody else. I mean that that event more than likely, if you happen to have friends or family or you work in uh, the Silicon Valley or the Bay Area, you probably had a day off on Friday because there was nothing wow. you could do. DynCore was the company that was targeted. Now DynCore is a major 
data hosting service provider. So basically people who are big and require lots of servers or they host lots of lots of information. So this is not just, you know, Twitter or uh, social media platforms, but also banks, um, you know, financial groups. Uh, you've got, you know, e-commerce is a, a major platform for it. So you've got all sorts of – everyone is hosting data on the Internet. And we've, we've only got so many major names that are big and trustworthy enough to house all the data for, let's say, you know, Twitter and these major banking institutions as well as, the servers that Amazon is leasing to, because DynCore actually had a pretty significant percentage of the server base that people are utilizing when they lease anything through Amazon. So it kind of mm. shows you how how focalized this uh, this company was, and we're you know should teach people going forward that we might have to invest in understanding this technology so that we can create more of a network architecture that isn't so dependent on certain monopolies because when these corporate monopolies yeah. exist it's easy to topple them over now what was really mm -hmm. interesting about the attack that i want to really stress to everybody is that the attack came two weeks following a published journal documenting how Zhao Mei or Zhang Mei there's a two different companies that make receivers those DVR receivers are coming from China that have been identified as being potentially hostile devices, so to speak. Not saying that it's mm. necessarily the Chinese particularly, but the devices themselves um, have been manufactured with certain backdoors. And when you put a DVR into your home, you're connecting it to your cable and your TV and now your wireless Internet. So it is in communication with every layer of our, let's say, topology or the network architecture. Again, that receiver now is yeah. very, very well embedded. These receivers were exposed as being dangerous for packet generation and packet interception would be the key word, which basically information and information collection, you know, because the packets of data are how we refer to it in the security world. So these devices can send data, receive data, store it, but they don't have to necessarily follow the same rules that you would have otherwise implied with, by introducing it into your home. Maybe this device wants to send some of that data to another part of the world, which all of them did. So what we witnessed on Friday, or last Friday, was a collective of American receivers focusing their packet transmission to servers at DynCore, which kind of shows you the redundant problem and flaws with our society and the speed at which we allow manufacturers to enter our homes, along with this kind of this practice of technology without really, really understanding it. You know, I, I've worked with engineers who could tell you anything about radio frequency, but they know nothing about internet security or network security and how we have created rules for devices to acknowledge and communicate with each other on the internet. And in fact, it is still dramatically, I mean, if there are so few people who even care or know about this, every company is demanding an internet engineer or a security engineer. But the problem is, is that you've also got unfortunate problem. You cannot 
practice these methods and you cannot use these tools without committing a crime now because the United States government is going so quickly to make this a kind of an outlaw profession that they want it to be DOD certified and only well my my only my only complaint with that is that if we allow bureaucrats to regulate education and we're going to see a significant stifling in our preparedness to deal with these attacks and i mean it's really it's just it's as painfully obvious considering everyone was warned about this 2 weeks before the attack dyncore definitely could have been aware of the fact that these receivers could be utilized against them if they don't pay attention to every agent uh, in hmm. this kind of, I don't know, I don't mean to sound so militarized, but in this theater of war, if they don't recognize mm-hmm. any threat mm-hmm. agents, then they're, they're putting themselves at risk as well as ourselves, because that is our livelihoods now. It's not like we can do business without doing business on the Internet nowadays, and that's what's so right. weird. Right, right. Wow. So, you know, so I'm not trying what, to be dogmatic what? or... Um, so uh, put it put it in put it into uh, uh, layman's terms as to what what happened, you know, uh, and why why I couldn't why um, I okay. couldn't get on to contact so, simply very simply. Uh, as simply put, your people's cable boxes and. Uh, digital video recorders or the DVR receiver boxes like you would get from Cox or Time Warner or Mm -hmm. Mm AT&T were made by a manufacturer that had a deal with an intelligence agency that more than likely goes all the way back into the government of the the Chinese, mainland China, not the Taiwanese. So we're talking about the, Mm. the People's Republic of China, not the not the Republic of China. Now, the People's Republic of China has been prodding our networks along with the Russians for quite some time, and we've been doing that to them as, you know, the the WikiLeaks and all the other scandals that have come out in the last couple of years mm-hmm. have implied. This is normal. It's just acts – it's kind of like the Cold War in a sense, but now as opposed to us doing little – as opposed to us engaging in the, the same normal conflicts that – people could get could argue we are involved in we're now going to do it at the digital level so what happened is our cable boxes were used to send let's say to pay, make it as simple as possible a million clicks a second to a website right or to the address the actual address of servers so by knowing hmm. and finding the location of Basically, whenever you go to a website, you're actually you're going to what's called a domain, and you have the IP address and the mm-hmm. public IP address on the internet, right? So you can look at that as your mailing address. So what they were doing is they were sending them a million hits or a million physical letters a second, and imagine having mm. to sort through all those letters that are coming in every second, and there is hundreds of thousands of mm. these receivers sending a million of those messages a second. So pretty quickly you can see that now we're getting cluttered and everybody who would have been in that mailing room or sorting room is completely mm-hmm. stressed and just sitting down or they just give up. That's basically what happened. And this is not a new method. 
the methods for hacking and taking down servers and doing flooding packets has never changed. It's just the agents and the tools that we have used are. You know, mm -hmm. ten years ago, mm -hmm. this would have been much more. This would have been much more embedded. It would have been a uh, Windows 2000 server within uh, uh, the energy grid or something like that. It would have been something more specialized that would have prepared the attack. But now, with all these devices that have been kind of spread out, and we have more and more devices. Remember, we have the Internet of Things that everyone is talking about and proposing. With more and more devices that we're mm -hmm. going to be putting in our home. We need to really understand wow. what what it is that we are introducing because these tools can be utilized against us. If your refrigerator has a camera that can look inside of the contents of your refrigerator and that can be viewed from your smartphone, then by the very nature of its technology, that can be utilized. Somebody else could possibly see hmm. that. You know, and so now hmm. let's think about okay, the Think about all the wireless devices. I mean, even even last year, there was the Talk to Me Barbie device that was made by Mattel that took a SIM card that had 10,000 recorded phrases and conversations to have with your child or daughter, but it also listened to her, and then it would send the data back to Mattel so they could do consumer data. Now, that, that really kind of bothered me because, see, if somebody knew – you know, they knew what they were doing. They could t hack Barbie. <laughs> and now they've got a listening device in your kid's house. And so wow. not only that, too, because that Barbie is capable of sending data and receiving it, the, the same methods, again, apply here. It's just it wouldn't be as radically sophisticated. Maybe the, the information couldn't be transmitted as frequently. But still, I bet if there's 10,000 or 20,000 Barbies and somebody figures out a way to break into them, then, which is even funny to think about now, is that we have to apply this to every level. We're applying this to the Tesla cars, you know, and this, huh. the Tesla yeah. car itself has been a really, really ticket career move for security experts because, you know, if you can, you can expose issues with that, then you're going to go into either the Department of Transportation, Department of Defense, or one of the big giants that are trying to do autonomous vehicles because hmm. you you know, you better, I, at least my, myself personally, I want to know, I want to know every possible way we can break this, not some executive talking to shareholders saying, oh, this is going to be a perfect car, perfect system. I want to know how easily could a kid stop my car dead in its tracks with his $40 Android phone that he is rooted, mm -hmm. which a lot of people wouldn't even understand. But that is, that is the, the agent right, or the threat agent is, you know, a, wow. a kid who doesn't fully perceive what is right and wrong, maybe. And because we're getting to that point, you know, right now it is, you know, sophisticated 20 to 30 year old guys, maybe some guys in their 40s and 50s still that haven't retired from the industry, but uh, or started their own consulting firms. But for the most part, it's guys who are either operating in the private field or being either transferring to private from the military and the small percentage that are, you know, volunteer or illicit as, you know, the actual black hat hackers is what they're called because the hacking is divided in multiple categories. You have a black hat is somebody who does it maliciously or for ransom or even, you know, government acts. There's white hat, which is somebody who 
does this stuff and basically will hack something and then publish their findings freely on the internet or for corporations so that there could be patches and fixes. And then there's Red Hats who kind of do it on their own and do consulting. And they're not, they're not bad, but they're not publishing every single thing freely for everybody on the internet to see. They like to have their proprietary information to sell because it's a business still. And you know what? It's, there's no disrespect to them because everything that they do, they still report to the company that is hit. So it is not like they are going out there hacking yeah. people and being like, oh, well, I'm keeping this secret to myself. Uh, they, the individuals who are involved in that, of course, are always informed. It's just that they don't, give, they don't share the information as freely as the white hat community does. Mm. So it's, it's really, you know, so, it's, it's cool to notice, but yeah. Um, so this whole thing was, it, it was initiated then by, by the government, by Chinese government? Pretty, Is that right? Pretty Somebody? clearly, yes. It's pretty, it's pretty clearly the Chinese government, yes. And, and what would they have been wanting to accomplish by doing this? Well, do you think there's any number of, I mean, this, this, just to find out this what could have been, you know? yeah, this could have just been shots from the bow, you know, and uh -huh. a warning. We don't know everything that is being discussed behind closed doors. And there are so many different deals and so much that is going on. But what I imagine is, is that if these, if these individuals were really intending on creating some catastrophe or something to do harm, they would have done it at a different period of time. The, I mean, it, by the time you were up in the morning working on this or experiencing this, I mean, uh, it had already been launched at about 3 a.m. So, again, by the timing of the attack, the, the use of only one manufacturer from a very, very small region, um, it all implies that the Chinese government itself kind of extended this. It's like everybody who's in the industry is saying, oh, of course, this is the China. It's just, I don't know how else to put it other than like, this is stuff that goes on all the time. And we, mm. like we as the, the public are just now getting clued in to how prevalent it is and how critical it is that we wow. need to change our actual architecture. Because this is not new and the mm -hmm. methods aren't new. It's just that their, their target was a monopoly of information. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. So that's really what needs. I see. Yeah. So that would probably, in in a way, that would be the silver lining uh, on it, in that it, it's a it's a warning, and we can do something about it now. Oh yeah, and also it is a. This is you know they unfortunately, even though I don't believe that any element of war and espionage is a game, we do have what's called war games, and we do run. Mm -hmm you know, simulations and attacks and live operations all the time just so that everybody knows that they are one step ahead or they can show something off. Because, I mean, whoever, whatever firm perpetrated this attack will more than likely disclose it with their partner, um, their partner ah. countries or intelligence services mm -hmm. and then lease or sell the software and tools that they have developed in the back doors. And now that they've demonstrated, hey, you know, there's 300,000 people running this DVR, 
you know, just in the west coast of the United States alone, here's the back door, you pay us for the license for it. You know, there's a lot of ways they can make money, and they just advertise mm-hmm. themselves better than anything. I mean, to the point where you and I are even talking about them. I mean, they may not buy on the first name basis, but everyone knows, hey, somebody hit Dyncor with these receivers. A major group who pays attention to this stuff and wants to gain information or kind of utilize this to, because it's like, okay, we we saw that they can take down so many elements of like e-commerce and communication. Mm-hmm. Imagine if this is a small mm-hmm. country, you know, and you know that these receivers are there because they're very affordable. And now you can launch these massive, sophisticated attacks to do all sorts of stuff in a smaller country that won't have the response time and the money that we did. I mean, we took care of it in 12 hours. Everything was back up and running. Mm-hmm. I see. Wow, that's amazing. You made a comment uh, when we were first talking about this last week that, um, you know, we're, we're approaching we're approaching a time when your toaster could start World War III. Um, oh, yeah, and I mean, it's so sad like that, that I, I'm so extreme. Yeah, basically, your toaster will be, it'll be a foot soldier for sure in the digital war. Your toaster, your fridge, your car, your watch. And I, you know, I don't mean to sound so paranoid and fear-inducing. There's no reason Mm -hmm. to be afraid. There's just every reason for us to just study this stuff because it's not too late. Yeah. You know, we haven't just said, hey, let's let's put a SIM card in my cat so I can always track where my cat is. No, we're not there yet. But you have to be aware that when you start connecting every single thing to the internet do you know the rules of the internet and do you think that the manufacturers know the rules of the internet or are they just trying to sell you a device and that's the thing Hmm. is that this is so deeply interrelated with our our economic structure no be it it doesn't matter what's part of the globe you're at you know, we are just quickly yeah. pushing to make money off of these devices, quickly introducing yeah. them, but we are not considering the side effects of them. And I think that people going forward should have a very feng shui technical household. You should have as limited devices connected to the Internet as you possibly need. And definitely really, really, really treat, you know, just treat your – I mean, that is like unless it's some – some brand that you really trust or need or you know you want your Mr. Coffee to always brew your coffee at 9 a.m. or whenever you walk through the door or whatever macros or automation people like about these tools that's really all it is is just automation it's just that me personally I am not sold on Mm -hmm. these devices being everything being basically interconnected because I think that the manufacturers aren't considering security as a a primary thing or a primary factor in pushing mm-hmm. these devices on release schedules. And if we had more time to evaluate them, it would mm-hmm. really make me more comfortable connecting everything because yeah, like you saw, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't do so many yeah. elements of a normal office day and think about productivity or losses in for a small business. You know, let's not even think about the, the megalithic yeah. corporations because no one needs to, to have as much sympathy for them. But look at everybody's small business or home office. Imagine if these attacks are bolstered with more devices that can launch the attacks. 
And that's the issue, is that the, the devices are perfect for staging these attacks because it doesn't have a hardware identifier that leads back to you. It has a hardware identifier that leads to a toaster or a receiver, a cable box. You know how silly that is? I mean, mm. that you're not expecting, mm. and a lot of these DVRs too, they have all of these devices with cameras in them have been repeatedly, repeatedly at DEF CON, um, which is an excellent conference held every year in Las Vegas, uh, it's all about hacking. Every group exposes their findings, and security researchers, they always put it up on YouTube. Definitely, if you attend it, don't bring your cell phone in or put it on airplane mode, though, or don't, don't you know, play around huh. there, because it is considered a kind of uh, rite of passage or a ritual for the d exhibitors to always publish whatever they find from the devices that come through that are actually connected. And even the hotels that host the conference advise everybody to not connect to the Wi-Fi. Um, it is so wow. big, and you have so many researchers from all over the world. But it's fun. I mean, they, they talk about everything. I mean, everything. And they've exposed things eight years ago that are still being still being an issue today, you know, like, uh, wow. God, I, like there was a couple of years ago, there was a published report on how Belkin, a major router manufacturer has mm -hmm. a significant design flaw in that the default, the default password that ships with the device, even though it is a 10 character, it's like an eight or 10 character string of letters and numbers. It can actually be reverse um, not reverse engineered, but it can be deciphered from the what's known as the MAC address or the media access um, code, which basically um, it, sh it it is the unique hardware th thumbprint of your device. Every every device, be it your phone or your computer, has even you know anything that connects to the internet has a unique MAC address that unless you're a very a sophisticated user um, kind of ties you to everything. It's not really your IP as much as your MAC address that gets people in trouble online because it allows us to point to the actual physical device that was utilized. Wow. Belkin was having this problem that uh, that is still around to this day. I see it everywhere. And I mean, I could tell you eight places in Laguna that need to change their password because it could be easily seen publicly because of this issue and Belkin has still never changed it and I mean it it is so simple as if you know a website to go to you can put the name of the Wi-Fi the Wi-Fi and then the MAC address which you can find with all of our phones with a simple wireless analyzer you put those two variables in it gives you the password and wow you've gotten somebody's home network that is crazy wow. to me. I don't trust Belkin because of that. I and I, anybody that hires mm -hmm. me, I really, really tell them to consider mm -hmm. a different router or change your password. But because of the mm -hmm. because of the practice, I don't trust Belkin because they could have updated this at this point. So this is not a smear on them, and I love them uh, for what they do. They have excellent engineers. But honestly, that problem should have been fixed. The fact that it is present today mm -hmm. in 2016 is just it's deplorable. Wow. Well, well, a little more. Uh, let me get a little more personal question in terms of 
you know, with all this knowledge that you have, I'm surprised that you're not working for somebody, you know, with some big company. Uh, and uh, that appears to me to be intentional um, on your part. Is it? And why, why, do you, why are you remaining um, freelance, it seems like? And what, what, do you plan, what are your plans in the future? What do, what do you want to do with this, with all this knowledge you have? <laughs> well, I definitely I, – uh, I just don't trust a lot of the, the corporate ideologies of some of these companies. Hmm. And I, uh, I'm really an open source movement guy. So I think that by working freelance and me kind of working and using the the community tools and being active in this community of like Linux or Android or certain security forums and even, you know, other groups that kind of have blurred lines to where we, I'm not necessarily sure if they just love to like break things and fix them or if they're kind of like adult children with their their technical skills and also there's people that really don't believe that this stuff should be held held on solely by the corporations you know that everybody should be made aware of the issues that manufacturers are bringing into our lives and that's another thing too is that when you work for a major corporation and you discover things you are bound by non-disclosure agreements and mm-hmm. I definitely I definitely have signed <laughs> hundreds of those in my professional career so far. And most of them are rather boring and I wouldn't care. But every once in a while you do come across something that you're like, hey, this is something that's actually pretty serious. We're introducing this to everybody. They should know at least, you know, like I was talking about with Belkin. And if I was a a major mm-hmm. security researcher, I wouldn't be able to freely talk about that as much. But because I've learned this on my own from an open source community, I can say, hey, Belkin, fix your stuff, and I won't get hit with a major lawsuit, as well as I can help promote people. And because I encounter this problem everywhere, especially in our town, in Laguna, you know, I see mm-hmm. I can pretty easily identify a network that has not have had its default password changed. And that scares me you know and it's like if i was really if i really wanted to be door-to-door sales i would just knock on their door and then just show them their password you know (laughs) but (laughs) i'm not i'm not at that point i don't think that we're there yet but you know what i mean i think that it's coming and it's like this is stuff that i want to really study and build i think a consultancy firm so that we can teach people how to design their own networks. Because the future is, um, I really don't believe that we're going to be paying for our phone providers and for Internet for very long. I think that within the next five to ten years, we're going to witness a blanketing of our planet in very, very high-speed data connections. And we're going to be using all sorts of different forms, light, line of sight, microwave, and then um, balloon, high-gain antenna, Wi-Fi as well. But we're, we're going to use mesh networks to um, basically wow. complement each other. 
And as that goes, and as everything is kind of even more connected and we have this field, we're going to need an entirely new philosophy on which manufacturers to trust, which tools mm. to use. And there's going to be so much freedom that actually it's, it's going to be amazing, in my opinion, that this, there is going to be so much freedom. It's just the knowledge is so key. So I hope that by the end of this conversation, I inspire more hope with people to start imagining mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, their own control because they have no, there's no one forcing you to buy one particular product. You know, this is a very innovative day and age. It's just that we aren't educated on what we should be purchasing or what we should be going for. But as things go forward, mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to have so many options to just kind of building it yourself. And people are going to realize that, yeah, I don't need to have all of my information on the Internet, you know. And I'm going to have mm -hmm. some things that I want to have only locally. And there, we're going to witness a lot of local and person-to-person -person networks and nodes to where oh. people people aren't going to need to have so much access and stuff. And you're already seeing it at corporate and government levels. They've been ahead of the curve, but with people too. I think that families will have, you know, more closed networks and we'll have like little, you know, photo albums that it's like my dad and I do this all the time. We have so many tools and apps that kind of catalog and archive our whole, our professional work and then our just, our lives, mm -hmm. our photos, you know, everything. And it's not just Google Photos and the Apple Photos. It's, you know, actual communication apps that we both use encrypted in communication apps, not because we're paranoid and we're worried about any sort of spying, but just because of the ease of use and also being ahead of the curve too. It's like if we don't experiment mm -hmm. and play around with all the tools that are out there, I won't be able to properly consult people. So I'm always, you know, I'm trying everything out. And you'd be surprised how yeah. many people that aren't up to no good actually value their privacy mm -hmm. and use these type of communication mm -hmm. methods only because of what's going on today. Because they see that there's slander and there's need for proprietary business information. You know, there's there's all sorts of things. Even when I was providing my bio to you, I got paranoid mm -hmm. of releasing the hospital name to my, which you notice I didn't do that because I was like, well, Memorial Hospital has a lot of tie-ins to where if there's all, all these security questions that can possibly lead back to Memorial being utilized, and if I put that public on the web, anybody who searches my name will see I was born at that hospital, and then they will have another cipher to deciphering my password. We're not even saying that I've used Memorial to it, but I don't even want to give it up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which I've now done, but that's wow. the point that I was trying to make is how I think about it with, and how I think everyone is going to going forward with what bits of information can we surrender to the web that then can yeah. actually be utilized against us because that's how people, people are going to be working like machines on this. They're just going to build lists, build data, and that's, and that's what every corporation is doing anyway. I hope that made sense, but... Yeah, well, you know, it barely did. <laughs> you know, the, the whole thing. I can tell. I can tell. We're gonna we're gonna have to have you on again, uh, perhaps even next week, because um, I have so many other things I wanted to talk about, um, especially oh, gotcha. about uh, the the millennial generation. I really want to yeah. talk about that, and and it seems to me that just just the mere fact of what you've been talking about so far 
uh, you know, somebody your age is going to even understand the conversation more than I am, because uh, it's just I the hope way so. we are. I mean, I, I am, I am a well. I, I heard someone say one time that we we're like immigrants, in, <laughs> and and you guys are the natives. You know, and uh, we. Uh, that's exactly what it feels like. I, I I feel like I I understand so little of this world. Um, of uh, technology and connect, interconnectedness and all of that, that it overwhelms me most of the time. Um, and I just oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Under, understand just what I can use, you know. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. but I'm glad. I but I think you guys you've grown up with it, and uh, it's just so much more a part of you. I would think that that's at least. Don't you think some of that is what's going on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least I know that everyone is second nature. Like, I rate because I do a lot of system administration, so I kind of rate people in, like, user classes. So it's like, you know, you have, like, a basic user, a power user, you know, maybe a moderate, like, an administrative assistant, like, knows a lot of office tools. But very rarely do you kind of find people that really, really care about security, especially in my age group? I mean, most of them Mm -hmm. I see they're using tools to express their creativity and their opinions. And there's more of a cultural revolution going on that I support. I'm a hundred percent behind everybody discovering themselves and using these tools to empower each other. And we've never had this opportunity in our species lifetime. So I really hope they appreciate that. Um, But I, uh, I don't know about how, because I'm, I'm telling you this because I think that your overwhelmed feeling is actually shared by everybody. Um, I hmm. don't meet anybody other than fellow security researchers online or my father who really <laughs> understand and care about the complexity of the problem that's rising up because we we all seem to be the paranoid ones, you know, but hmm. it's hmm. just... You know, it's uh, so that's actually why I kind of urge people to get into it and research it and promote it because every every person who even cares and shares it with people and shares some security risk is helping protect us and you know just just little things like that. More knowledge is shared out there, the better the better it is. Okay, well let's, let's put a wrap on this about. for now. Uh, let's put a wrap on this for now. What what would be one thing you could say? Um, to our listening audience that would, um, at, at this point, want help help them um, m- maintain more security uh, in their own systems? I mean, is, it, is that a hard question to ask? Um, is it impossible? No, or no, no, no. It's, it's actually, yeah, philosophy. Just totally just have a philosophy, mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't mean to sound – rude but don't be as lazy as perhaps we all allow ourselves to be change your password regularly Mm. you would be surprised how Mm. easy it is to remember things and in fact when you just start doing little memory tools like that by even changing your password Mm -hmm. once a month you will help increase Mm -hmm. neurons and neural pathways so you're helping your memory and that's a good thing um Ah. on top of changing your path and changing your password uh just make sure to always update your software and pay attention to the little lock keys 
that are in the top left-hand corner of your browsers. Make sure that any sort of website that, you know, is banking or anything else like that, it should be an HTTPS. If you have a secure, quote-unquote, financial transaction that is not on HTTPS or there isn't the little lock thing in the top left-hand corner of where mm -hmm. you would put your browser, mm -hmm. be aware. That is the first sign of trouble. But, yeah, I mean, just change your password. That's the primary thing. All these emails that came out were just because they got the guy's password. That's always, you know, even in breaking into a router, if you change your password, it makes everyone's job a lot harder, you know. Just definitely. Uh, okay. The simple. it's always, like, again, the philosophy. The simplest things are always what are utilized, you know, against us. There's, like, the weakest link in our fence. Wow. To think about, yeah. but it's not these major monolithic. You don't have to go and study a bunch of books on security and start doing old NSA code talking or ciphering or, you know, get the whiteboard out and start drawing out equations. It's none of that. Just, you know, just think smart for yourself. Don't, you know, if you know that there's a lot of public information about you, then any one of your password, look at the password reset questions, you know, think about that. Can I answer these questions Google searching you? Can I answer these questions being your Facebook friend? Stuff like that saves you. It's just thinking smart, hmm. you know? That's it. That's really hmm. it. Cool. Because somebody who wants to break well, in Alex? will use everything they can. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can, would, you, um, would you join us next week? Is that possible? If you got, what do, you, do you know what next Tuesday looks like for you? Uh, you, for me or your producer? For you. No, I'm talking Oh, to you. for me? Yeah, I can. I, I would, oh, I would, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can, I can join on. you again next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to organize my because, thoughts this next time. Well, no, that's okay, because um, I, I want to talk about a whole different deal. I, I really want to get into millennials. I, I want to get into, um, uh, I, I love the picture you sent. I was kind of curious what you would send. Would would you send something that, you know, see, if, if you were my generation, you'd be in a suit in an office. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you're just a funky guy. And you're comfortable yeah. in your own. And I want to know where that came from. And um, what, you know, is this something that's characteristic of of your generation as a whole? And uh, then I have a bunch of, you know, what are hopes and dreams and, and uh, what, are, what are the spiritual needs and searches that you guys might have? Um, that, does that sound like fun? Would you like to get into that? Oh, yeah, that's going to be – that will be just as, just as crazy as this conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, trust me, don't get me okay. started on the spiritual stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this sounds cool. All right, well, Alex, thank you so much. And we will Thank look you. forward to, to we will look forward to next week because we 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 you know we found by the way that um, our second largest artist, uh, audience is millennials, um, and some of our research has shown that that we're connecting. So yeah, of course, doing, of course, millennials will something that we're yeah. doing they like, you know. So uh, that's why I was so excited when I even thought of having you on, 
because uh, and and that's why I want to explore that some more, is so that we can try and understand you better. That's really what I want to do well, next week. That will okay? that will draw as many people as possible as it is. If, if the more and more you <laughs> anybody, and this is not just millennials, the more you give people your time and you give them your ear or your thoughts, mm-hmm. they will give you that support. So, you know, and right now, you think, especially if you look at the political landscape, economic, there's a lot of feeling of misrepresentation oh or underrepresentation. So really, if you just make people feel like they have a place with you or your voice or even you care about them being at the table, they'll always show up. And I think that's the key to anything mm. going forward for us is just kind of being there for each other, you know. And if you're there, I think our genera- or my generation is much more receptive no matter who you are and your po- political or religious mm. beliefs. It's just if you're mm. at the very base level of just a human being, you will, you will have them, you know. They're just very – they're a lot more open. I'm noticing that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'm excited. Alex? Likewise. Can't thank you enough. And uh, thank you again. We'll be talking and all right, all right. Take care. God bless. Yeah, thank you. God bless you and all your listeners. All right, beautiful. Well, there you have it, folks. Now, now we know how to protect ourselves. <laughs> uh, that was fun. And uh, hey, don't miss next week when we talk about generation. And this next one coming, and uh, so we can understand each other better. And if I have enough nerve, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna even ask Alex what he, what he thinks of this crazy election. I, I might even do that. <laughs> okay. God bless everybody. Good night. Take care. Love of the Lord. All right. 